We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. All right, listeners, we're trying to have every Canadian male athlete on the podcast, right? We're going, we're going sequentially second place. We had Velner on a couple of weeks ago. Now we're going to third. I don't know uh, who's, who's after that. I, I stopped keeping track after the two of you, but oh, that's something- harsh. <laughs> you know, if you're not, no, we had Jeff Adler on actually as okay. well. So we're having all of the Canadians on, but I think, you know, first of all, welcome to the show, Brent. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you. As a CrossFit athlete, do you get sick of talking about CrossFit? Uh, yeah, at times for sure. I mean, there'll definitely be moments. So typically in, in, in my house, you know, I just live with my wife, um, you know, we sort of know when it's like, there's certain times during each day where we're like, all right, we're not talking about CrossFit because it's my, it's my full-time job. And it's also something I'm passionate about, but it's usually when I'm with other people, you know, maybe I'm like visiting some friends or, you know, maybe I'm at a CrossFit gym or, you know, whatever. And, and like, they're asking me questions or we're ended up talking about CrossFit. And sometimes I usually, I'm the one that steps in and I'm like, Hey, like, I understand you want to know all these things, but can we talk about something else? Because I'm thinking about these things or I've been like chewing on like, Oh, like what happened at the games? I'm like, Oh, I've told this story so many times. Uh, uh, so I'm happy to tell it obviously in a public forum like this, because there'll be hundreds of people watching this that haven't heard some stories or haven't heard my voice talking about CrossFit maybe in a while, but I hear my voice talking about CrossFit uh, every minute of the day. So out loud, sometimes it can be a little repetitive. <laughs> it's, it's like, a mu- you know, musicians talk about it. You know, they write a hit song and then for the yeah. next 30 years, they're playing it and the fans there, you know, I'll give you, I'll, I'll go Canadian, Brian Adams, right? Like, yeah. Hey, summer 69. I'm sure he's sick of playing that, but to the fans seeing him for the first time, they're like, hell yeah, this is my favorite. You know, I have this song when I was growing up. So what, what's, what's a topic that people wouldn't think, Hey, Brent Fikowski would talk about, but that you actually enjoy talking about. Oh, what do I like talking about? I uh, like outside of CrossFit, you mean? Yeah, outside like, of CrossFit. Okay, yeah, outside of CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I like talking about film and music, right? So I, I grew up, uh, like I have a record collection of vinyl records. I grew up playing guitar and singing. You're a vinyl uh, collector? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this so, is a yeah. big deal. What's your system? What's your setup? Uh, so I've got a Technics um, SL1500 or something. So I don't know exactly, like, I'm not an audio buff. Like I'm not a, you know, like a gearhead. It never really was with guitar either, but I, I really, like I have about, you know, I think 500 records. And so I got a lot of them when I was like 16 to 19, most of them. And then I still, you know, get a record for a birthday or, you know, that'll, that'll sometimes I'll treat myself if I'm on vacation and I think I have enough room in the suitcase. I'll go to a record shop and just like take my time and click through and see if there's one I want. And so I grew up listening to a lot of a lot of classic rock just because of my like parents. So I have like I pretty much every um, record from Queen, The Who, Rush. Um, you know, those are some of my, the Queen, Queen and The Who were probably my favorite. Now it's kind of more like Indian alternative stuff. So I'm really into, uh, really liking Jungle Giants lately. Um, Joel Plaskett is a Canadian artist. Uh, and I like B.A. Johnston, um, like The Walkman and The National. And yeah, just a bunch of different bands. And I'm, I'm into some rap lately as well. I don't have any on vinyl, but. You don't see a lot of, you know, I think it's pretty cool because current artists are releasing vinyl again. Yeah. It's more collectors. You're not seeing that so much in the rap world. No, I, yeah. I mean, I think the rap world, a lot of, a lot of rap music is very, uh, I think like live rap music is kind of the pinnacle of that artistry, you know, uh, because a lot of it is, is freestyle. And so like capturing that freestyle on like, like even, even in a, a digital form or a vinyl form, it just doesn't have the same sort of, I don't know. It's, it's a different, so, you know, for example, like no one really covers rap songs. And I think it's in the same way, like no one, if you're going to cover a jazz song, you're not going to cover like a John Coltrane solo note for note. I was listening to something about this, 
but like you know because there's a certain amount of like personal flair and uh um improvisation that comes along with like you know doing a guitar solo or doing a you know solo on a, a horn or a trumpet or a flute and it's kind of like that with rap like you know you're not going to cover a you know dr dre song like word for word rarely you don't really see that it's kind of a faux pas like it's it's frowned up frowned upon i think a little bit and it's because of the experimental nature um the sorry the improvisation nature of it and i think with rap music like the recorded yeah i think there's this so much so much of rap is the the improvisation so i just don't think the recorded medium is like as highly sought after yeah you know the only cover i can think of there's a small i wouldn't say small but ben folds have you heard of ben folds no it doesn't ring any bells but he he covered who wrote bitches ain't shit i forget who <laughs> that is. i forget but he did it like acoustic on a piano well, so, yeah so you you see that right you see that and you definitely see remixes like obviously a lot of the best rap songs have a uh, not remix but um, like sampling you know so there's like a homage to a previous song where they'll use like the intro from you know famous uh you know snoop dogg song or a nwa song and then you know they might keep the chorus but then the verses they'll rap you know something different and then yeah you'll see covers like the acoustic covers the piano covers where they'll kind of strip down a, a rap song but um yeah so anyway I, I like i like music and i'm kind of getting more and more into film like you know i just kind of over now that I'm older, I guess I kind of learned to appreciate like little smaller kind of artistic details in film. And like, I still like, you know, I still like watching just like a, you know, a, like a Will Ferrell comedy, which, you know, it's just enjoyable, but there's some like kind of, I don't know, higher brow kind of movies that I'm starting to appreciate, like the little finer details and kind of looking for certain directors that, you know, seem to consistently put out like some cool stuff. So yeah. can't go wrong with Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, and I really enjoyed like Parasite um, as the Korean oh, director. That yeah. was yeah, really good. That was yeah, good. and just just starting to appreciate like I don't know, I'm you know, I'm not an expert at anything. I'm I'm not gonna like, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it, I just enjoy it. So that's kind of that's something I like talking about. I'd love to sit around and talk with people that know more than me about that. And learn, so let me go back to the Who, Tommy or Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia, the real me. Yeah. And uh, really, rain, yeah, yeah. Quadrophenia for sure. That's got love rain over me, right? On it. Yeah, it does. Is that's that kind of the, yeah, that's Quadrophenia. Um, but then there's a, a song on there called the real me. And that's probably my favorite. Who's well, song, that's, so. yeah, I know that's on that's a, that's a great one, but you like Tommy as well. Yeah. I like Tommy as well. Um, I really liked like their live at Leeds, um, their live album, uh, Quadrophenia who's next. Uh, which had like Babel O'Reilly and stuff on it. Um, those were probably my favorite Who albums. But the early stuff's really good too. Um, you know, like the My Generation and Can You See Me, that kind of thing. I think Babel O'Reilly is one of the most underrated workout songs of all time. Oh, that's interesting. You know, it's funny. I don't usually listen to uh, classic rock when I work out. It's never really... I, it's just not something I flick on. I think I just, I've just heard so much of it, like the first like duration of my life that I just know those songs so well that... I don't know. They're just like a little too, it's hard for me to kind of go back and appreciate them um, as much, but uh, yeah, that's actually, I'll think about putting that into a playlist. I've got next a few time, playlists I'll, I work on. So next time you got a five minute Metcon, you know, it starts off slow. So you'll ramp up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, to the round of nine or whatever you're doing, it's time to step on it. What's, hmm. what's your go-to then? If you're going to hit a workout after this, what would you naturally flip on uh so i have some it's like a plug but i don't get any money from it i have some playlists on spotify i'll uh, check them out so yeah yeah I'll, i can send them to you or maybe put them in the link if this is on youtube or whatever um but there's one i think i call it uh high energy workout rock or workout high energy rock or something there's like a good 50 or 100 songs on there so i just keep adding them but usually uh like I like listening to Kiss um, or there's a band that's not a very well-known band, but it's called Hail Social. And they have, they just really had one album. And um, that like, if I had to pick like a album or like a group of songs, like I would just turn that on and turn it on repeat usually. Hail Social. Um, all right. I'll check ha them out. Like Hail is in your like all hail. And then Social is in Social Studies. Yes. <laughs> Is there multiple? I don't know if there's multiple spellings of social. Um, yeah, uh, maybe maybe I, my pronunciation is so bad that someone needs me to put it in a sentence. What what about Queen? Because I think another great 
I mean, We Will Rock You is maybe the best workout song. I mean, I the Tiger, number one, can't argue. Yeah. And then uh, We Will Rock You is right below that. Yeah, We Will Rock You is kind of, that's like a, it's like a pump up song. And, and then We Are the Champions is like, we just won. Like, so there's, there's not a, like, neither of those songs fits in the middle of like actually doing the thing. The solo, the solo bridge there. Yeah, okay, yeah, the solo, yeah, that was, yeah. A one rep, one rep snatch. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, yeah. is there an album that is on your bucket list that you're, you're seeking out? Um, yeah, I, I keep a small list on my phone. Um, well, so you're serious. If you have a list on your phone, you're so yeah, yeah. serious about I, this. And so I've, I've got my entire catalog. There's a, um, it's called Discogs. It's a website. And so you can, so I have all my, all my records are on there. So if I do go record shopping and I'm like, oh, do I have this? Then I actually know and I don't double up because I've made that mistake before because I have a lot of records. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, really it would be, it's hard now. You don't find deals like you used to. Um, this is my, that was my subtle way of saying like I did it before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> and so when I was like 16 and 17, you could still, you know, you might go into some secondhand store, or maybe like a garage sale or something. And, you know, you might find like, a, I don't know, you know, who record for like five bucks or something yeah. or, um, but now, like, I think people just kind of know the value of that stuff now. And it's sort of, you know, it's like, like fashion and everything kind of comes back in style eventually. And the records have definitely done that. So there was like a great purge of vinyl records in the nineties and early two thousands, um, where a lot of vinyl records were just thrown away. And then, you know, the last like 10 years, it's kind of, uh, you know, that's not, doesn't happen as much. So, um, trying to think of, I, you know, I don't really have a good answer uh, for anything. I don't have a specific one that I'm really looking for. Um, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge Dave Matthews fan. Okay. So, so I'd That's love sweet. to find before these crowded streets, they released it on vinyl. You can, you know, you can find anything on eBay these days, but there's something special about flicking through the D's and, and yes. finding it, right? It's very different than just going online and, and purchasing it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and that's what I, you know, some people will claim like, oh, the, you know, vinyl has a higher quality sound. And I don't know, maybe that's true. I mean, I, I'm not one to say I know either way, uh, but it's just, it's the experience, right? You know, it's a lot of, a lot of stuff we have is so disposable. And so to have something that's, you, know, you kind of open up the artwork and you read the lyrics and you have to set it down, you have to be present. You can't, you know, like walk away because then, you know, um, the record's just sitting there and might collect us. So you kind of, you know, you have that 25 minutes per side or 22 minutes aside and you're, you're kind of you have to be with it and you know experience it in the same way you would you know interact with a video game or interact with a you know a movie or something so like that's what I, that's why i do it it's just it's the experience and so like you said flicking through is that's part of the experience of owning vinyl so and i'm sure all of the listeners are like why would i do this i have spotify i've got apple whatever <laughs> it's different it's just not the same and you know I'm sure zero of the listeners understand the who and Quadrophenia and Tommy, but back in the day it was like, this is not a song. This is like you said, an experience. And I mean, I saw Tommy on Broadway. Oh, I mean, wow. It's a, it's a show. I mean, if, if you ever have the opportunity, they still do some tours. And I saw Quadrophenia. I saw the who performed the entire Quadrophenia set. This is probably like 90. I was in college, I think 99, 2000. And uh, I mean, Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, like playing the full set. Uh, Billy Idol came out. You know, it was it was pretty cool. cool. So yeah, if you ever, yeah. Have, I don't know if they come to Canada, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 just different. It's definitely you know, it's not for everyone. Uh, not that it has to be or anything, but yeah, it's it's. I, and I still have Spotify. Like that's what I listen to when I'm in the gym. Um, but yeah, it's just a different way to enjoy, uh, you know, an, an art medium, right? So yeah. If I keep this going, our listeners will send hate mail. So. Let me uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. I don't know if you've I couldn't find the answer. Where did when did you first go with the nickname the professor? It was given to me around you know probably I'd been doing CrossFit for six to twelve months. So, so that, that would early have been on in your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was just the Australians. You know, my coach at the time, Drew Griffith from CrossFit Broad Beach, uh, still a great gym. Try to visit it whenever I'm back and. Yeah, it was just kind of a nickname they give me. Gave me. I was, you know, 21 years old. I was this accounting student, and I, I was always just very kind of like number oriented. So, you know, I remember like even after only doing CrossFit for 
you know, a couple months, I was already like, Oh, you know, reps per minute for wall balls. And like, you know, kind of just doing like loose math. I'm like, well, how long is this workout going to take? And okay, well, it's probably going to take me five minutes because I know like burps will take me this long and I'll take like a five second break before moving to the bar. And so I was just always like very number oriented and in a sport that, especially at the time, and it's a little more, you know, uh, calculated now, but back then it was very like, you know, kind of grunt work and like work hard and like, you know, just like mind over matter. And there was, that was a little more the, um, the media surrounding the sport. And so I was kind of contrary to that. I was very deliberate. And so they just called me the professor because in Australia, they don't pronounce their R's at the end of words. <laughs> and, uh, and so then, yeah, it just kind of stuck and I, I liked the nickname. So, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a probably, one of the only nicknames that you hear consistently amongst the games athletes. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say so. I mean, I'm sure me and me saying that I'm sure there's another one, but yeah, it's one that, yeah. And it fits. I think it's, it's a good fit and yeah. So, you know, t- chatting a little bit about this past games, what's one workout where your professor math, you were like, Oh, I nailed that. And what's one workout where you were like, I had, was completely off on that one. Uh, what was I on? I think there were, you know, there were three machine workouts. So there was the workout that had the assault bike power snatches. There was the workout that had the, uh, the skier rope climb sandbag. And then the finale had the row pull-ups and lunges. And I was really happy with the paces we chose there. That's always a challenging thing because you can't see what other people are doing. So, you know, especially, yeah, for all of those, you, you don't know the pace other people are holding until they get off and they're maybe off 10 seconds before you or 10 seconds later. And for me, because I'm like pretty confident on the machines, like I should be holding the fastest pace out there or very close to. So you're trying to determine like, what are the, what is the right pace for me in that um, without getting too tired, but also getting a bit of a lead. Um, and so I was happy with, you know, the decisions we made there, my coaches and me, um, and I think in like the thruster wall walk workout, we did a pretty good job of, they announced the time cap. It was 55 reps of each. They announced the time cap at 20 minutes. And I'm like, that seems too long. Like it will be done before that. Yeah. Or at least, you know, I was able to get done before that. I knew I would. And so, you know, we were doing some math in the back, like me and my coaches, and we were, we were pretty close to what my ending time was. You know, we just, it was pretty rough, but it was just to give me an idea of like, hey, how long am I going to be out there for? Um, and this was before the first heat of men or women had went. And, you know, I think we guessed like, oh, like 12 ish minutes, 12 and a half. And I think it took me 13 and a half. So it's close enough that you can kind of start to get a feel for like, okay, like how long am I going to be out there? And, you know, just to know that is important as far as mistakes, uh, none that really come to mind. I probably should have swam faster. I don't think I utilized the advantage of the, the fins as much as I, I should have. Um, and like the, 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 the paddling, you know, you couldn't really gain a lot of ground with the paddle. It was the kind of like paddling a tugboat. So just like, no matter how hard I paddled, like the, the variance in speed from paddling really hard to paddling, paddling at a moderate pace. Part of that obviously is a technical limitation, but there wasn't like a huge change in my speed. So in, in hindsight, it's like, well, ideally you just like, you know, you gain another 30 seconds in the swim and that would go a long way in the second part of the workout because you just, that 30 seconds is almost impossible to, to change that. Um, so yeah, I think that was something I just, you know, didn't think far enough ahead and think, okay, you know, I need to really push the swim and really use my legs and really kick as hard as I can to gain that extra, you know, 10, 20, 30 seconds, which might be really useful, um, on the paddle because you just can't modulate your speed there as well. The two workouts you, you mentioned, I have questions about one. When we talked to Vellner, you know, that 600 meters at the beginning of that last workout was pretty much insignificant, you know, give or take, what, 10 seconds? But yeah. Do you remember BKG falling off his seat? <laughs> no, I, I, I was told about it after. And then I think um, I, I went back and watched a few of the videos. I'm still going to watch the rest them on youtube but um yeah i was told that that happened i didn't personally see it but um i've had that i've had that happen to me in a competition i think in regionals one year i I slipped off the seat at the end of a workout because i was trying to go really hard and i slipped off and that was pretty annoying so i can imagine his panic was real (laughs) well and it's one thing if you're like in you know finishing a workout with a row or it's a you know single modality 
but this was like 600 meter, pretty casual at the beginning to see it happen. <laughs> and, and then the other question, what, what impact did the sweating on that wall walk thruster workout have on that? I mean, you, you kind of did the math 55, but as a judge, I had Cole Sager and halfway through the workout, I'm like, this is, he's got a pool here. Like this is dangerous. So at, at what, what did it, what role did that play for you? I was very aware of the, the sweat that was accumulating. Uh, I wore a shirt. Um, so it wasn't as bad. It was definitely getting sweaty. I don't think it really affected my time, you know, maybe like a couple seconds. Um, I don't really think it affected my time. It just kind of made me, made me take pause a few times and just like, you know, maybe just, you just really had to be making sure you had like a, a solid hand and you couldn't be I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. Um, you, know, you had to be pressing down into the floor and you couldn't really be pressing at an angle, which ideally you're pressing down into the floor anyway, you know, you're, you're pushing down as opposed to kind of like doing that. Um, so yeah, I don't think it really affected my time very much, at least relative to everyone else. But I said this to Vellner. I think he's the angriest looking when he comes onto the floor. Like when I have him, I'm like, Oh, this is, this dude's angry. Like he's going to yell at me and none of you, you know, for the record, no one yells, but you seem pretty serious as well. Is there a switch that goes off or are you that way? Well in advance in the back and the corrals. Yeah. Everyone switches it on different, you know, like, um, uh, like, you know, people ask me that and it's always fun talking to like, especially young athletes about that. Cause they're trying to find their voice and their, and their method to, you know, ensure that they're competing at their best. And, in order to be satisfied with your performance, you know, you might need to take on a slightly different persona than you would when you're talking to your grandma and that's okay. You know, like you don't have to shy. You can be a slightly different person or you can have shades to who you are. Like, I mean, obviously I'm acting differently in this interview than, uh, you know, in a couple of days when I'm going to hang out with my buddies who I haven't seen in months and, you know, Feel I'm going to be talking. Feel free to drink whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and it's the same. I'm going to talk different to my grandma and it's the same. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I try to train with the same level of focus and intensity I compete with, but you can never match it. It's you'd never expect to. Um, and so, you know, someone like Usain Bolt, you watch him and he's Mr. Like camera guy uh, up until, you know, and he gets serious for five seconds before the start and that's how, and it works for him. And then you look at like a Kobe Bryant and he'll spend months at a time in like black Mamba mode right. Where he's just like, job's not done. Job's not done. You know, you've seen those interviews with Kobe where he was just, you know, uh, Mamba mentality for like, you know, weeks or days or months at a time. And that, that worked for him. And everyone's a different, a different blend of that. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of, kind of depends, you know, I, I don't like put a hard rule on myself as to like, okay, now is the time to focus. A lot of it'll depend on the workout, depend on my mood, um, the setting, but usually it's kind of just a gradual, uh, you know, I'm usually pretty, try to stay pretty carefree and pretty chatty and stuff. And then uh, for most of, let's say a day during competition. And then as I'm warming up at the warming, at once I pretty much start warming up, you know, pretty, pretty locked in at that point, but still like, you know, a little more casual. Uh, but then, you know, as you know, let's say the warm up takes 20 minutes and then there's a five minute intermission and then we start. So that 20 minutes, you're just kind of ramping up in the level of focus um, and then that five minutes before is like, you know, it's, you know, starting to get kind of serious and game face type thing. And, you know, and it, it can't, it doesn't never feels forced. Um, like, you know, I'm not one to put on like a, like some sort of face to make it look as though I'm like intense or something, but it just has to be natural. And not everyone has to do that to be, you know, like Annie's smiling all the time. Right. And that doesn't make her any less of a champion. It's just, just different, different moods and different workouts require a different mindset, just like a different. I'm sure like a combat sport, I've never really played a combat sport, but if you were a MMA fighter or something, you probably have to get in a very different headspace than if you are a, I don't know, um, something like baseball a, a player. Yeah. A, a ba yeah. A baseball player where you're out there for hours at a time or even a marathon. It's like, you know, you're going to wear yourself out if you're all, all, you know, like that kind of energy to start a, to start a, you know, an ultra marathon. You're just like, well, okay. You know, crack the knuckles. Like let's, let's do this. You believe in yourself and, yeah. So does that change though from workout to workout? For example, the 
the uh, swimming and kayaking where you know you're going to be out there for an hour and a half versus the pegboard uh, overhead squat workout where you're like, this is it, go time for you know 12 minutes or whatever that was. Yeah, it definitely changes per workout. Like I've, I've kind of experimented with some more intensity in my one rep maxes. So that's, and it, you know, it's, it's boded well. Um, and what so, that, like, you know, what does that look like when you say that more intensity? Uh, well, I mean, if you want to go back and watch on YouTube, my one rep max snatches, it was like, I was just looked like pretty intense. Like I was ready to fight, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, just like, you know, just really like a lot of, you know, a little like slap on the face or a little intensity, like, like, you know, kind of, uh, you even see it at the Olympics where someone will go up there and, ah, and they kind of do this, like, you know, they won't like pound their chest like a gorilla, but they might kind of slap their legs and might get their coach to slap them on the back just to kind of get the, get the adrenaline up, um, without being like reckless, especially for something like a snatch, you know, there's a technical component, you have to be somewhat relaxed. Um, so, you know, something like that, uh, you know, is going to be a lot different than I'm trying to think of a workout where I started pretty calm. Um, I think I judged yeah. you on the pegboard workout and you seemed, Oh, I was like, this dude's ready. You know, as a judge, <laughs> you kind of have this like balance of, do I need to say anything to him? I want to stay out of his way. And I was just watching you and I was like, man, he, he's just here to win this thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. No, and that's, and that's, that's what if I, yeah, now I, it's funny. I didn't remember that you, but now I remember, I remember coming off the pegboard. On. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, right. I forgot about that too. But I would, so I'd come off the pegboard and I would often just like, cause we had to do all of them on the right and then all of them on the left overhead squats. And so I'd come off the pegboard and I'd go like this way. And you're like, yeah, like, right. And you might yell. Okay. I, you know, cause I kind of forget, but other than that, yeah, I mean, that's kind of this fun thing. Like I try to, you know, come out, see the judge, like give them a quick fist bump, but I don't know. Some people are like, Hey man, how's it going? And I'm just like, man, eh, they don't need that. That's, <laughs> like, that's, you know? It's not about us. It's about just, you know, we're yeah, just yeah. making sure all the reps are being done. Even that, like, I was like, I don't want to overload him by saying which arm, but I also didn't want you to mess up and have to yeah, no yeah. rep you because you picked it up on the wrong yeah. side. You mentioned, yeah. I don't have any grandmas anymore. Do you, you have a grandma? Is that, you keep saying grandma, or is that just your term for yeah. older person? No, I have, uh, I, I have all four of my grandparents are still alive. I'm very That's fortunate. That's awesome. That. Yeah, so That's both awesome. grandparents, both are grandma grandma grandpa grandpa yeah so with that being said you know i grew up in a jewish house i've been in fitness my whole life i've disappointed all of my grandparents you know while they were alive (laughs) so do do your do your grandparents understand what you do or are they like brent come on when are we getting back to accounting no they're they're really uh they're really happy for me they i mean one of the first reasons i got instagram was so my grandma owen could keep up with me so uh you know so she could kind of keep up and you know she'd kind of follow me on facebook but the instagram was kind of a very seamless way to just post about my training right and my my competition results and you know, post a link like oh i'm competing this weekend follow this link to watch the competition um yeah, my all, yeah, I'm really fortunate that all my family's super supportive. And everyone, you know, my family's always been pretty sporty. Like I was talking to this is a cool like tidbit. Um, people watching weren't expecting this, but my grandma, she played basketball growing up. She loved basketball. And it was considered a when she played, it was a it was a double dribble that would be a turnover. If you started dribbling with your right hand, you could not switch to your left. Really? Yeah. Just in female basketball, or is that a I think Canadian, maybe just really the, CB, ju- the CBA, maybe Canadian. Just, I mean, that was, you know, how long that would have been, you know, I don't know, 50, 60 years ago, just a really long time ago. And so she would play, yeah, she played basketball, you know, growing up and, you know, they all, they all played curling. And then my dad was a hockey player and he played badminton. And so like all their kids played sports to some degree. I had a, an uncle who was, a, you know, he rode uh, like rodeo, like bulls and stuff. Oh, and wow. So, yeah. He's a crazy uncle. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so, you know, there's like everyone kind of was involved in sports. I just learned the other day that uh, not a, anyway, like a third relative or anyway, he, he might've went to the Olympics for, uh, for shooting like the, the pigeons and stuff with the shotgun clay pigeons. So you got to, um, I mean, it's in the genes with you, whether it's, I mean, grandma shooting hoops. Curling, <laughs> yeah. I mean, curling's a very Canadian thing, right? But I love, I love badminton. Do you ever play badminton? 
Yeah. Yeah. My dad was quite good. Um, you know, he would play in high school and he won some like, you know, some high school tournaments and stuff. And I, I played a bit growing up. It's a really fun game. I was never like, I, I volleyball was, was, you know, more what I, I lean towards as I got older, but yeah, badminton's just, just a really fun game. Great to watch too at a high level. It's wild. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So I saw you went to the Bahamas with Claire, your wife, mm-hmm. and there's lots of pictures of food happening. Are yeah. you, would you consider yourself a foodie? No, I mean, I, not real. No, I, I really can't. Um, if that is a term I would ever use, because it's like most of the year, I'm very just like, I need it's fuel, you know, as long as it isn't disgusting. And even if it is, if it's going to help me, I'll eat it, you know? So it's just very like white rice, sweet potato for carbs or oats, and then just, you know, different types of meat and then just some spice to keep me from like, from it getting too bland and I'll eat it. Like, so most of the time, because I'm eating so much throughout the year and you know, the, the time commitment that it would take either myself or my wife to cook all of that and make it like really palatable and amazing. Um, I, I appreciate good food, but you know, I'm definitely, you know, I think if you blindfolded me, I think that's probably my opinion of, you know, a foodie or someone who really knows food is if you blindfolded them and made them eat like, you know, four times types of cheese, would, you, would they know the difference in quality and like, nah, maybe a little bit, but not really. <laughs> I like good food though. Like, you know, if I do go to a good restaurant, I'm like, Oh, like I can appreciate it. Um, and I, I like to try new things. Like I, you know, whenever I go to a country, I try and eat, try and eat what they eat um, as opposed to just like eat what I usually eat. So I'll try and try and experiment a bit. And I'm not, a, you know, I eat just really about anything as long as it's safe. So. Well, is there something that you give up during the hardest parts of training because you're feeling yourself that, you look forward to after the games or whatever the competition is wraps up? Yeah. So definitely like when I'm, you know, this, you know, I look at the year and kind of seasons and so leading up to competitions, you know, my, how I spend my time changes, you know, I'm just like that much more focused on getting, you know, quality sleep and whether that means like turning off devices before bed or meditating or whatever that looks like. Um, And same with food. So, you know, really leading up to a competition for, you know, the couple days or weeks or months, depending on the seriousness of the competition. Um, you know, there's just, there's no gluten, there's no dairy, there's no ice cream, there's no processed sugar, really. It's just like pretty, very clean, very paleo-ish, you know, like not, not like hardcore paleo, but you know, there's oats and white rice and stuff. Um, but as far as the ingredients, it's all very like whole 30 kind of, uh, kind of food. And, and, you know, sometimes I have a little bit of an urge to eat something sweet and sometimes I'll, you know, indulge, but I always get like a small amount. I'll just like get a small chocolate bar. I'll get like, you know, a small ice cream and split it with my wife. So it's not like we have a two liter tub because then I'll be hungry and I'll eat it. Uh, but usually if I'm like really kind of, uh, you know, like maybe I should get something like, Hey, well, what do you want? You know, is this is kind of an opportunity for you to choose the hard road that might make the difference in a couple of weeks. And maybe it'll mean tomorrow you'll be a little less stiff or inflamed, which means you can train harder. And that's what you want. You know, that's what you want this summer. And so, I'll, you know, then it's an easy choice to make when I frame it that way. So if you're not eating gluten or dairy often post games, when you have it for the first time, does it just wreak havoc on your body? Uh, not overly. Um, what I notice is uh, I'll just get like really puffy in my hands and my feet. Like, so kind of like, not like not massively puffy, but um, I just retain a lot more water. That might be from the salt as well. Um, that's usually in those foods. Um, but I'll just notice that like the, um, you know, like typically I'm, I'm pretty lean. And so you can see like the, you know, just the tendons and like little bits of, uh, you know, maybe blood vessels and all that just kind of, um, yeah. but I don't, I, I like, you know, I, that, that stuff doesn't like bother me immensely. Um, I'll tend to get a bit like stuffed up in a runny nose if I eat a lot of dairy, um, just like kind of clogged, just mucusy kind of, um, if I'm like, you know, having a lot of yogurt or a lot of milk or something, but I still, I don't go out of my way to have those things. It's not like as soon as the games is done, I'm like, let's have grilled cheese every meal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like white bread, grilled cheese nuts, you know, it's, but if, you know, my mom's going to cook something or I'm somewhere and I'm like, Oh, that looks really good. I'm just going to have it. But leading up to the games, I also just don't really put myself in those situations because we're not going out for dinner and, you know, it's just, I'm just at home. And so what we have in the house is kind of pretty lined up with what I want to achieve. So, Are, are you back to yeah. training now? Pretty soon here. Um, pretty soon. Yeah, it's so, been over a, about a month now. 
Yeah. That's yeah. so well, no, you know. no, nothing for 30 days plus. Oh no. I, I, so I've been, I've been training kind of the last, uh, I'm trying to think where we're at here. So yeah, basically the game's finished. And for three weeks, I just didn't do much at all. Um, got, got a bit of exercise. Like I might go into a hotel gym. I was traveling for a bit of that as well. So it's just, it's hard to do when you're traveling and was not a priority. And now I've started training, um, kind of like once and a half a day, five days a week. Um, the, by half, I just mean the half is just a very, you know, it might just be like some accessories in the basement or like some core work, you know, or just like a run or something. Um, and then uh, like less than an hour. And then, um, so that's going to go on here for another about week or so. And then we'll actually start like, like training with purpose and each session will build on the last and, you know, I can't miss those type things. So. And, and when you're doing these kind of more leisurely training, well, first of all, I think it's, so in order to take six weeks off, I have to make the CrossFit games, right? Cause I want to take six weeks <laughs> off, but I can't. Um, well, so I will say this, it's like, you know, the, the more, the, the harder you train and the more frequently you train, the more necessity there is for um, an off time, whether that's, you know, a full uh, day deload or a week or, but, you know, if like, if everyday exercise is just like, you know, 30 minutes of yoga and a long walk, like you can do that every single day without a break. Um, sure. But if you're training like really intense, really heavy um, two times a day, then it's like, okay, you can't do that seven days a week, 365. Like you will burn out, you'll get diminishing returns for your goals. And so like the harder that training is, the more you, you need a break and that's when you recover and that's how you get better. So it's like this, you don't have to go to the games. To, to deserve a week off right like i would have been taking time off if i didn't make the games <laughs> but that's just because it you know it was, it was conducive to my goals so 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 how do you find that balance of or, or maybe i should rephrase it when you take six weeks off is it more for your mental sanity than i mean really what two weeks your body's probably recovered from the games maybe maybe not i don't know i mean i've never <laughs> depends it depends games, on- so i don't know yeah I mean, I've known people that have, you know, like, like, let's say someone got injured, obviously it's a different thing, but I've known people that have, you know, finished like a, you know, like an ultra marathon or, a, you know, or the games or a big triathlon, like an Ironman. And they're not okay in two weeks. Like they're not, they're not in like, let's go in two weeks physically. You know, there's definitely, you know, there can be some lingering, like, like tightness or stiffness. Like I knew someone. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So it's not, not, I mean, like I, I, yeah, I definitely usually in two weeks, like any sort of DOM delayed onset muscle soreness, like stiffness for them usually is gone, but that doesn't mean you're like, you know, Oh, I can do the CrossFit games again in two weeks, you know? Um, and you could, would you be at like prime condition? No. Um, but yeah, usually about two, three weeks, you know, you're, or even a week, sometimes you're pretty much good to go, but yeah, it's definitely a mental thing. Like I, you know, and as much for me as my wife as well, like it's a lot, uh, at least how I have decided to kind of approach this. It's, you know, it's a big commitment for those for most of the year, but especially leading up to semis and games. I mean, those like, there's like a good three, four months of the year that are just like kind of a write off for anything else, like nothing else. You know, I don't, I don't have, fun, I have a no fun policy is <laughs> a joke, but like, you know, my fun and my, my satisfaction in the day comes from the training to prepare and the, and all that's required to do that. And so there's not a lot of like going out for dinners or, you know, having a barbecue at someone's house or going to a movie or going on like a little weekend camping trip or anything or having beers, like all that stuff that most people do on a regular basis, week to week, day to day, that like kind of brings them joy. Like I don't do those things. And so it's nice to get to do some of those things, um, you know, and, and if I was training and I tried to push those in, uh, whether, you know, even if it's in October, like it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't sit well with me because I see it affect my training. It makes me upset. And so if I'm just not training and I'm just like doing some exercise, then like, you know, having a bigger meal or, you know, staying up late, it doesn't affect me mentally. You know, and that's something interesting before we wrap up, you know, and we alluded to it and we talked about it prior to recording, but the, the average or the, you know, the, the, affiliate crossfitter the person that shows up at the box even if they're doing their own programming your programming or somebody else's they treat themselves or at least their programming like a games athlete but they're not thinking like a games athlete in that i'm not staying up late i'm not drinking i'm not you know having fun like you said 
what, what advice would you give to those people? You know, realistically, what, I mean, what 0.01% of these people are making the games yeah. less than that, really. So what advice would you give them? How would you encourage them to find balance? How would you encourage them to set realistic goals? Yeah, I think what you, the very last thing you said is really important. So goals. So ensuring that your, you know, your values, your mission statement, your goals are well-defined and you have a path to get those and that they line up with everything else in your life. You know, it doesn't make sense for you. I've heard in the past, someone's like, I want to make regionals. I'm like, well, you know, you like camping and fishing every weekend. I'm like, you can't have both. You know, you're, 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 you know, the person had some potential to maybe, maybe make regionals back, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, but it's like, you know, you have to give up the fishing and the hunting and the, and the camping. Like it's just because you, in order for you to make it, you still have this full-time job. you got to be at the gym every weekend. Um, and so it's okay to not want to go to regionals then, but don't tell me you want to go to regionals if you can't put in that work and you can't give up something, it's not about giving up stuff, but and it's same with like your family balance, you know, um, just be, be realistic. So yeah, like I know I'm sure most coaches and the people that I've kind of mentored and helped through the years, it's like, I'm way more willing to help. It's hard for me to help someone who said that last thing because I'm like, I don't, I don't buy it. You know, it's not going to happen, pal. Whereas someone who says, Hey, you know, I can only come to the gym four times a week because I've got my family, but you know, I'm cutting down on, you know, some of the stuff that we're eating so I can like, you know, lean out and whatever. And I really want to get, you know, my first ring muscle up and I want to do a, a comp this summer, a CrossFit comp, or maybe do a tough mutter. Um, you know, do you have any advice? I'm like, hell yeah, let's work on that. You know, like, you know, like let's, let's make a little plan. Let's make sure you're getting enough running for the tough mutter. And let's like, you know, look up like prior tough mutters and what obstacles, obstacles you have to do and then make a linear training program to kind of like squeeze in some more upper body pulling or some rope climbs. Um, so I think like just having goals and sticking to it and then, and if you are, you know, at the start or in the middle of a journey, or maybe you're feeling like a little unmotivated, um, I always tell people like, don't make a, don't make a weight loss goal. Like, don't, don't say I want to lose five pounds because what do you do when you lose five pounds? Do you, do you quit? Do you keep going? Like, there's no, there's no progression to that. You can't just keep losing five pounds. Eventually that's good. That has to stop. Um, and then if you just try to maintain it that weight, you're never going to, you're just going to get it all back. But if you create performance goals, you know, and it doesn't have to be CrossFit, it could be, you know, like, uh, I want to swim, you know, I'm going to swim for 30 minutes every day and I want to get more meters per minute, you know, by the end of the month. And, and when you hit that, that satisfaction of getting to that like goal line, because you'll, you won't have it, you won't have it. And then all of a sudden, boom, muscle up or boom, you know, new 100 meter swim record. And that satisfaction you get from that, is going to be, is going to, you're going to want to do it again. You're going to say, okay, let's set a new goal. Whereas the weight loss thing, it's so gradual. You wake up every morning. Oh, you know, I'm 180 pounds. Now I'm 182. Now I'm 179. And it's just, and then it's going to slowly work its way down. Oh, I finally did, finally did it. 175 pounds. Now what? Like, do you have a party and you have cake? Like, but cake <laughs> didn't get me here, you know? And that's, and that's part of the, I think that's, that's like a, pretty key flaw so set performance goals and um you know just be a be a be a sponge be a learner you know like um enjoy it for the and obviously enjoy the community aspect of it but you know always try to learn more always try to learn how to move better and um you know pick up little bits of information if you're a if you're a true student of of anything whether that's you know your your job or your passion or you know even like how to be a better parent or how to be a better husband and you're constantly trying to improve and if you and if you do that for the one hour you're in the gym that can bleed into everything else really nicely. Um, and so how you treat that one hour, you have a lot of control over that when you're in the gym and usually most CrossFit owners are very open to, you know, whatever you, however that experience is going to be, especially if someone's going to be like, really, Hey, I want to learn. I want to move better. I want to get that first muscle up. Like, what do I do? Like asking questions, you're probably going to get more attention because you're not just kind of rolling in and like goofing around and, throwing power cleans around and jogging out the door, you know, which is fine to have that fun too. But if you're really trying to learn, you'll get more attention. And then that same kind of focus can, can bleed in and uh, hopefully, um, you know, start impacting all these other areas of your life because how you do, what's the expression, how you do anything is how you do everything or vice versa. How you um, do one thing is how you do anything close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, that, that's kind of my advice usually is just, you know, be deliberate and, you know, set goals and then set a plan to achieve them. And if you don't know, if you, if you think you have this goal and you don't know how to get there, um, whether that's getting your first muscle up or, 
whatever that is, then like find someone who's done it and get advice and learn. Um, yeah. How, how many goals do you think the average CrossFitter should have at once? I'm going to say average CrossFitter, you know, the, the one hour a day going to an affiliate. Probably three. Three. And does yeah. it matter if yeah. they're, do they need to be gymnastic, weightlifting, monostructural, or just anything? That's, that's an easy way to, to sort it out. Um, you know, it, like if you are trying to lose weight, I probably wouldn't set one in the weightlifting category um, because, you know, if you're trying to lose a lot of weight, you'll probably see those, you know, your one at max deadlift might go down if you're trying to lose 50 pounds of weight. So I wouldn't probably set one there. And then vice versa, if you're trying to put on mass, maybe you just avoid the monostructural goal for a while because um, it can be hard on your ego. Like I was kind of saying, you know, I don't... Um, in this type of the season, it doesn't make sense for me to try and enjoy some normal things while doing training. Cause they're just, they don't fit. Um, and so, you know, if you're trying to gain muscle mass, but you're also like, I want to PR my 5k run. It's going to be, I mean, it's, it's possible. Don't get me wrong. But if, if, you know, it, it's just, it's just harder. So like maybe just leave the 5k, you know, put on the mass and then hold it and then work on the 5k. But yeah, honestly, like just three goals, like keep it simple, you know, whether that's like, I want to improve my, overhead flexibility and have like a very specific goal. Like I want to be able to do a straight arm, one arm overhead squat with a dumbbell or something. Um, that might be the mobility goal. And then it's like, I want to, you know, be able to do my first ring muscle up. And then I want to uh, maybe like you have a workout that everyone does at the gym. Like there's like a, a Murph or a mile time trial or a 2k row or something that's, you know, each gym will have their kind of flavor and maybe it's a, a conditioning thing. So speaking of mass and jacked, you got jacked this last when you came <laughs> out for that one event that I was talking about. I was like, damn, did you how, how much weight have you put on in the last year to 18 months? Well, that's kind of funny, is I think that because there's sort of been this lull in competition, I think that like the visual seemed a little more noticeable than in years past. But you were solid, like impressively solid. Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah, noticeably, <laughs> noticeably. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, um, it's funny. Like every year I put on a pound or two of muscle, um, this year, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still very low body fat. I'm not like, uh, I'm aware that I'm an outlier in that, but, uh, I would, I've definitely been more, I've definitely been leaner at the games at times. So just, you know, and not by, you know, I'm talking like 2% or 3%. It's not like a huge difference. So, but with that comes a little bit of like, you know, look a little larger at times. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you like, I could find a video of me without a shirt on at the 2019 games, and then a video of me without or a photo of me without my shirt on this year, you put them side by side, like which guy's bigger? You'd be you'd be hard pressed to know the difference, really. Um, so oh, really? I, I'm, I'm flattered that yeah, yeah, I'm flattered that people think that. Um, and don't get me, I I know that I have gotten a little bit bigger. Um, I don't like take measurements or something, but I keep track of my weight and then you know a couple pounds. But again, two one or two pounds every year, and I think I've always just been there's been this association with like, Oh, Brent's like tall and skinny. And I know I'm not skinny. I've never really been skinny, but um, you know, there's still like, I think there was a bit of that perception uh, near the beginning. And I mean, even my first CrossFit games, I think I was too, you know, I was still the same height, but I was like two sixteen or something or two fifteen pounds, which I mean, if you're any other sport and you're six two two fifteen, you're like, you're one of the units, right? You know, like if you're hockey or whatever, and you're like, oh, 6'2", 215. It's like, yeah, like you're good. You know, it's like, it's when you're the 6'2", 180, they're like, oh, that kid's got to put on some muscle. So I've always been, but again, you know, again, like a photo of me relative to like a Dan Bailey, just because he's so much smaller, I'm going to look like Ptolemine. But if you see, if you've ever seen me in person throughout the years, it's like, I've always been pretty big, but I do appreciate that you noticed. And uh, I will hopefully continue to get larger and in charger for next year. You know, and I think it's important that you say, and people hear the one to two pounds, because people want to put on mass and like, I want to put on five, 10, 15 pounds. And it's like, dude, be realistic, especially doing yeah. CrossFit. If you're yeah, not going to well, completely yeah. sacrifice everything else. Yeah. I mean, I think my first year, I'd have to go back to my, um, I've kept track of some weight stuff over the years, like sometimes more specifically than others but i think my first you know 12 months across that i would have because i was 21 i would have put on you know maybe five pounds or something um just because it was my first time like consistently strength training right and you know just like that age is you know more capable of doing putting on that kind of muscle um and then after that yeah it's been a year or two um or sorry a pound or two every year 
Oh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Yeah. And with CrossFit, it's funny. I was, um, I always find it interesting. I'm like, if I, if I work this hard and train this much and was this dedicated to my nutrition, but my only goal was to, to put on muscle mass. I mean, I'd be a lot bigger still, you know, because I look at what I do in my training and I'm like, well, that's not going to get me bigger. You know, it's like, Oh, like running and burpees. and like, Oh, like even the ones that are like, kind of get you a pump and are intense. It's like, Oh, are like butterfly chest bars and assault bike. Like, yeah, that's going to blow up my forearms and I'll feel like a pump in my biceps. But I'm like, is that really conducive to building muscle? Like not, not specifically. So, yeah, I mean, that being, you know, so it's always interesting, like thinking about that and thinking like, man, I could be like really buff if I just did like hypertrophy and trained with this intensity. Cause I've done some hypertrophy blocks or hypertrophy, depending how you pronounce it, you know, like for a couple of weeks or, you know, months to just gain some size and like my triceps for handstands, stuff like that. And like, you know, I noticed that it works and that's while still doing other stuff. So like, man, if I just like really focused on that, it'd be, it could get interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't um, think that's yeah. going to pay the bills for a couple of years, though. So no, maybe, no, uh... yeah, no, and I don't plan on doing a bodybuilding show. It doesn't doesn't really interest me uh, that that strength sport um, as much as I have like a respect for what those guys do. It's not really like something that interests me long term. But yeah, it's always interesting. So yeah, the one to two pounds thing, you know, for CrossFitters is good. But you know, if you were just training as hard as I am, focusing as much as I do, yeah, you could probably put on more. But hey, there'd be a limit to it eventually i would think well, well last thing i want to touch on speaking of paying the yeah. bills the professor project is out there <laughs> what what separates the professor project from other programming that's available today yeah um so like i kind of have, have two companies going i've got the professor project and train your weakness so the professor project is uh you know it's essentially it's what i'm doing right so i'm trying to give people um you know what what i'm doing or sometimes like slight uh, more realistic variations of what I'm doing, but it's what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, give people an opportunity to, to look at that and learn from that and train with me. And then also, uh, you know, there's a library of about 200 videos that we're, we're adding to. Um, but it's just kind of my, my tips and tricks and advice, whether it's like, you know, how I do dumbbell snatches uh, all the way up to like videos on how to prep for a competition uh, logistically and then how to prep for a competition mentally and how to overcome failure, stuff like that. Uh, just think tips and tricks I've learned over the years, kind of like trying to extract all my little professorisms, uh, that I kind of take for granted because I've kind of lived it. So hopefully people don't make the same mistakes as me. And then, uh, train your weakness is, uh, it's kind of like, I mean, probably could have plugged it earlier. Uh, if you're trying to get your first muscle up, essentially it's a program for that. So it's, you know, there's a program to six week program to get your first muscle up, you know, six week program to, uh, get your, you know, get your pistols, um, six week program to improve, improve your strict pull-ups. And so it's just something like, you know, you see people wanting to get their first muscle up and what do they do? They just kind of like flap around. Maybe they do like a drill they saw on YouTube and then they just kind of give up about it until the open. And then they whine when they don't get their one in the open. <laughs> Tale as old as time, song as old as rock. So <laughs> the, the, the idea was just to, uh, you know, you know, work with, uh, um, my former coach, Rob Downton, um, uh, Bobby D, uh, to come up with some, you know, for example, the handstand pushup one was the first one we did because, you know, I got a lot better at handstand pushups working with him. And we sort of just used the same methodology that worked for me and then sort of compressed it into these six weeks, three sessions a week. And each session takes about 30 minutes. Um, so there's some skill work and then obviously some strength work positioning, you know, a bit of like, you know, obviously just do some handstand pushups, um, just to give people some direction. Like there's no secrets, but it's nice when you're like, I want to get my first muscle up or I want to, and we have another one that's like get better at muscle up. So maybe I can do like one or two or three and I want to just be able to wrap them out. So it's good to have direction and like videos that go along with each drill. So, you know, you're doing it right. And like a little description, like, okay, why are we doing you know, skull crushers, like I want to do handstands. It's like, well, we're going to develop your tricep strength, you know, for high repetitions, because right now you can only do three handstands, but we want to get you to 15. So guess what? We're doing like 15 tricep extensions. So yeah. Well, I think check out train your, yeah. Check out train your weakness. Yeah, no, definitely check it out. And we'll put all these in the show notes, but I think it'd be great for affiliates to check out. I think yeah. too often affiliates would be like, Hey, we're going to do a strength cycle because members love it but they also love getting their first muscle up or handstand push up. And yeah, truth be told, most affiliate owners and coaches 
don't have a great program that they can use. So I'm sure you can head over and apply something yeah. like that to a class setting. Yeah, like for the Muscle Up program, it's it was fun working on that um, because you know we, we made we didn't make up, but we made up like a and combined a lot of different drills. So it's fun, you know, like each time you do it, there's obviously like a progression towards the drills. It's not just like random stuff, but um, you know you're obviously doing a lot of strict pull ups and push ups and dips. Uh, but then there's these like fun different turnover drills because every person's going to have that light bulb moment, like, oh, like the hips or like, oh, wow, the elbow or the hand, you know, there's something that's going to click. So you have to give them a lot of different ring muscle up drills to kind of gain that awareness of like, you know, this motion and how to do it with your entire body. So, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, insightful stuff in there and there's kind of a way to linearly progress it. And we, it's been cool. It's been cool to, you know, like you sell the programs and you see kind of, numbers on a screen like followers but then to actually like get a video or a message or see someone at the games it's like oh man i bought that program i got my first muscle up you see a video like oh wow like i helped that person a little bit i mean they did all the hard work but <laughs> yeah that's great they're here uh, you know a professional athlete still really excited about helping someone just at the affiliate level i'm going to give you an idea take it for what you will short person weakness program wall ball box jump rowing and oh yeah. If you're tall, you don't get it. I'm five three. Like all three <laughs> of those, you know, it's so maybe a little short stature addition. Yeah, you know what's funny? I get a lot of questions from tall guys, like, hey, I see you're tall. And then they'll ask me a question. And it's like, you know what, man? Like, if a short person struggled with handstand push-ups, I'd be telling them the same thing. <laughs> like, we're yeah. not special because we're tall. Um, you know, so really like with something like handstand pushups, I'm like, man, you just got to get, you got to get better at this, you know, like your triceps, your delts, lats, a bit pecs, those just have to get really strong relative to how much you weigh. Um, that's pretty much the equation and there's some positioning, but there's not a lot of technique to a handstand pushup. Um, it's really just about like, you know, strength and strength, endurance, muscle endurance of that movement. And so with something like a wall ball for someone who's short, like it's, it is always going to be harder. Um, but there are exceptions to some short people that can do pretty well in wall ball workouts. And really it comes down to a really nice squat is going to really help, right? Like a perfect, perfect technical squat because you're doing so many reps and because it's with load and the load is sometimes pitching you forward in this goblet squat. So the nicer your squat position is and the less you pitch forward, whether it's at the back squat or a front squat or a goblet squat or a kettlebell, whatever squat, you know, the more up, definitely upright helps, but even just a squat where you look the same going up as you do going down, like film yourself doing a wall ball or a squat and like film it in reverse and like watch it in reverse. And if it looks really weird, it's probably because you're doing something wrong. It should look the same on the way up as it does on the way down for the most part. Um, and uh, yeah. And so for wall balls, it's really, it's really about having a really good squat and then just really good force transfer in that final bit of the squat, right. From that push. And there's nothing that's going to make you taller, but a really good, powerful squat that you can do forever is, uh, is going to go a long way. <laughs> well, unfortunately I'm going to edit all of that out because I like to rely <laughs> on my excuse that I'm short and uh, not work on my squat. So before we leave, we kicked off a little bit talking about music. The, our listeners don't listen to classic rock. I can tell you that from our demographic, right? Younger. What's the, what's, what's a go-to they can search Spotify classic rock album that you'd recommend oh. for the listeners to check out. Oh man, that's dangerous. Right. Cause you want to, you want to give them uh, yeah, something this is, to this enjoy. Is make or break the next generation of <laughs> audio files. So you have to, you know, Oh, it's think. probably not rush just for the record like i'm a no big, i get it tom sawyer whatever but that's a canadian yeah. thing so so th a lot of pressure here more pressure than the crossfit games probably oh man you're putting me on the spot um let's pause for a second here <laughs> can you <laughs> edit worry. this video <laughs> no, but yeah katie katie could do anything she's a magician let me let me think of a good one i want to think of something like a little little different oh you know what i mean i really i don't know do you um do you know thin lizzie yeah of course thin lizzie boys yeah. are back in town right yeah so i mean their their album uh jailbreak i i mean that's like pretty classic classic rock like um i'm trying to think who else would be good what do you think 
Are there any that really come to mind this is, for you? This is not about me, Brent. Um, yeah, I know, right? I mean, Thin Lizzy's pretty sweet. It's just kind of like I'm trying to think of what's kind of hip right now that, like, well, I mean, you know, you, you can't go wrong with the Who that we spoke about earlier when it comes to classic rock. But I mean, you probably there's probably a good Stones album out there that, um, yeah. you know, and of course you can cheat and go with some sort of greatest hits. Credence, yeah, SDR. Trying to think of uh, hold on, let me. A day at the opera by Queen, though. I mean, yeah, that that be. I think that would be so like. Uh, I don't know. It, it's definitely like not artsy, but it's a little out there. I'm not sure if people would be able to like. Even if you haven't heard Bohemian Rhapsody before, you'd be like, "What is going on?" <laughs> you know, I mean, just most people got introduced to that it. through Wayne's World, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of people did. That gave like a whole new generation. Um, oh, I mean, even like, oh, that's a really, I mean, I really like, I mean, I think about like even Toys in the Attic by oh, Aerosmith. Uh, Aer- yeah, Aerosmith that, in 75. Like, that, 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 that has sweet um, emotion on it. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Like, there's some pretty hard rock songs in there. Um, like, Toys, even Toys in the Attic, the title track is leaning more like the acdc kind of energy than um i'll cheat right here here's where i may go it's cheating but the dazed and confused soundtrack that's pretty oh yeah 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 um yeah i might okay i i've got some all right three three okay so uh, no i'll give I'll, i'll give them two so um all right, we're back. After much deliberation, <laughs> you can choose between two albums. You've got uh, Thin Lizzy Jailbreak. Got it. Um, which is like very just like really standard rock and roll, you know, like really guitar driven, um, good lead vocals, a lot of fun. And then if you want something a little more obscure, you could go with television, Marky Moon. Marky Moon television. I'm going to do and. Okay, I see the album. Cover. So that's more. So if, so if you're into like indie rock or you know like modern kind of indie rock or alternative rock, um, it's kind of like it was kind of yeah. You might you might enjoy that. It's a little little different than what maybe like you know you always hear on the classic rock radio. But. For, for reference, what was the third album? Now you got the, the listener. Oh, I was gonna. Oh, yeah. So I mean, oh, you know, I'll give people an I'll give people an album that isn't classic rock that I think is like one of the best classic one of the best rock and roll albums of all time it's from 2002 it's called mccluskey do dallas that's the name of the band mccluskey do dallas so the the band is mccluskey it's a it's a pun okay uh inappropriate one but uh mccluskey uh uh, mccluskey is a is a it's i call it hard rock um not metal but it's 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 hard rock uh like post-punk type kind of punk rock and it's yeah it's a really good rock album so i would let there's a lot of songs on there that i listen to when i work out well i'll tell you what i'm gonna do i'm gonna head over to the professor project i'm gonna find a good workout (laughs) i'm gonna crank some mccluskey and i'm gonna uh remind myself that being short is no excuse i need to improve my squat so this has been phenomenal <laughs> i'm no bare naked ladies reference uh canadian but that that's cool and and uh it's been a true pleasure to have you on we really appreciate it thank you very much yeah it was a lot of fun hopefully uh, everyone enjoys listening thank you en- enjoy your last week off spend time with the wife and uh yeah. and it's back to the no fun zone No fun zone. That's right. (laughs) All right. See ya. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time. You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the Sex Panther beard balm. That's literally what is in my beard right now. And I use all of the scrubs, my favorite being the coffee scrub, just in the shower, gives you the tingles, gives you the feels. I love it. And there's so many other great products. I use their deodorant. 
I've used their hand care when I've had tears. Just check them out. It's veteran owned, you know, guy that was in the military serving our country, Dale. I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude. And I started buying his products and he reached out to me and said, hey, we want to support the show and we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support Doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out Doc Spartan products, 15% off with the code best hour. That's best hour for 15% off anything at their website, docspartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard bomb. And ladies, there's stuff for you too. So head on over to docspartan.com, use the code best hour and save 15%. You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. Will pay.